Welcome to Let God Die, the weekly podcast sharing stories of God transforming lives through changing perceptions of who He is and what it means to follow Him. We believe that commonly those who reject God haven't experienced the truth of who He is, and that those who follow God often have false expectations or understandings. Together, we can take those perceptions of God and let them die, so God can live. Welcome to the Let God Die podcast. This is Josh, and Calvin's not here again. I miss Calvin. Actually, I just saw Calvin a couple times in the last week. So uh, maybe you miss Calvin, but I got to hang with him quite a bit. He's doing well. He's on the road with Kept on Hold with our friend Andrew Alahipan, so he's not able to make today's interview. Hopefully, we'll have him on next time. Before we hop into this episode, I just wanted to remind you that we're collecting stories from you. We want to hear stories of how God has used something bad in your life for good, whether that was to grow you or bring something completely unexpected into your life, or honestly, if you're dealing with something currently that's really rough that you haven't seen God use for good, and you'd like to share that, we'd still like to hear from you. We'd love it if you'd record yourself, just the audio. Uh, It could even be on your phone, and you can send that to josh at letgoddie.com. We'll be collecting those at least through June, and we want to use those for a future podcast episode. So that would be great if you could do that, and if you want to spread the word a little bit and uh, mention that to people at your church, small group, your community of friends, that would be wonderful. So we'll go ahead and hop into today's episode. I'm about to call Dave Mantell. He is a musician. I just saw him at Flood City Fest in Johnstown, Pennsylvania this past weekend and wanted to sit down and talk with him, hear his story. So without further ado, Dave Mantell. Well, Dave, How man, you doing? Uh, doing good, man. Tell us a little bit about your projects and where you're from and all that stuff, Dave. Sure. Uh, well, my name is Dave. Um, I I do kind of a lot of stuff, but um, musically, uh, I play in a solo project that's uh, like ambient drone guitar-based stuff called Null, um, and that's like my, that's a primary focus, I guess. I'm also um, a recording and mastering and uh, music engineer, um, so I do records for people I've done. Uh, records for people that have been on this show, in fact, that you may recognize. Uh, families is, uh, uh, they're good friends of mine, and I've done their last record and their record that is currently in development. Um, I'm, Kevin really, I'm really excited about that. Like, yeah. They're, it's they're it's one of, be really good. They're one of those bands that, like, anytime I hear anything, I'm just like, please <laughs> just write all of the music. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll make sure I pass that along to them. Um, so I work with other people too and do that. Um, and then, uh, I play in a couple bands with people. I play, uh, drums sometimes, guitar sometimes, sometimes I sing. Um, but yeah, so my, uh, ambient drone guitar project is like primary and then secondary would be, uh, music production and mixing and all that stuff. So, so uh, Dave, uh, I know you were doing a broken light records. Is that still a thing that was essentially like a, uh, was it a record company or like a record collective? I remember seeing yeah. like a, a few really solid releases on that, like uh, Crooked Forest and Sam mm-hmm. Arias back in the day. Yep. So Broken Light Records is um, part of the music production thing that I do. Uh, it's sort of a fledgling thing. It's kind of becoming, you know, it's in like a like a baby stages. It doesn't really know what it is yet. Uh-huh. <clears throat> um, 
it's a combination of production house, artist management, um, record label, uh, things like that. The idea behind it is that um, I've been in the music industry for a long time or like circumventing that and um, I've seen the way that major labels, even indie labels, um, treat their artists and most of the time it's uh, bad for the artist. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've never really wanted to have anything to do with that. Over time, I've kind of realized that there are things, uh, especially as a creative person, uh, that focuses on maybe one or two mediums that I'm like proficient in. Uh, there are a lot of other things that kind of go hand in hand with doing the things that we do that I don't like doing or I don't uh, feel comfortable doing and I'm not good at, but other people maybe excel at those things and they really love doing them. So that falls under like, you know, PR, promotion, things like that, uh, writing, uh, you know, things about other people's art to put up online or just like booking or management and things like that. And so the idea behind Broken Light um, is still kind of evolving, but I, uh, essentially it's a heavily curated um, group of people who are all, um, we all share the same vision for our art. And um, the idea is that we all support each other and can bring each other up like a rising tide raises all ships kind of deal. We work in a way where we have a lot of the benefits of a traditional label, but without the uh, artist getting screwed over. And uh, that's like the hardest part, you know, is like being able to, to basically come up with a model that's doing some of the things that um, labels would do traditionally, but in a, a new and fresh way um, that's beneficial to everyone. And we're still working a lot of it out, and we're still bringing people on board, and it's a slow process, but that's like something that I, I work on all the time. And um, yeah, it's, uh, so it's production house sort of like crew. You know, if, you, if we were hip-hop, it would just be a crew, I guess, would be what we call it. But um, just a bunch of artists working together to try and be better than we are individually and um, collectively work towards something that when people see the name, they recognize like, oh, that's something that I, I recognize Broken Light and that's something that's like I remember as quality and so I want to like give this new thing a try. Mm-hmm. I believe we've met a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first time that I was in Chicago for a show with Kevin Schlereth um, was the yeah. first time. And then after that point, I started following what you're doing with, with your podcast. Um, and it, it was cool because um, that was something that like really jump-started me like with podcasting. There, there, are a few oh, that wow. I, there are a few that I was listening to, but yours was one um, that I just like really appreciated the direction that you came at you know, like the conversations with, uh, with artists. And I, I knew yeah. quite a few of the guys that you actually talked to. Um, but, but yeah, it just like, you know, things really stood out w- to me with a conversation with Kevin Schlereth, with Justin Rose, Tim Stickrod, uh, Josh Dyes. Yeah. So is the podcasting thing something that you're continuing to pursue? Yeah. The podcast. Um, so for people who, who are unfamiliar, I ran a podcast for about a year uh, that was sort of like it was a springboard for um, 
the Broken Light Collective, the thing that we were just talking about, and it was called the Broken Light Show, uh, super original titling. But um, <laughs> yeah, the, the concept of the show was talking with uh, independent musicians and, and other uh, artists that are kind of like in the DIY or independent scene in their various mediums. Um, and just kind of picking picking people's brains and discussing um, the kind of work that people do and how they do it. Uh, I did that for about a year. Um, talked to a lot of really cool people and made some really cool friends. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it just kind of stopped one day. In fact, I, if I remember correctly, the last episode uh, ended with me uh, at the end of the episode. I was like, yeah, okay, well, next week we're going to talk about this thing. And uh, then... There's no more episode after that. Like that never happened. Just bu- um, just build an anticipation, you know. <laughs> right. It's still it's still coming out. I don't know. I don't remember what the topic was. I'm pretty sure it's it's not relevant anymore. Um, but I think it had something to do with like iTunes or something. I don't know. It's really interesting because uh, I meet people and like have conversations with people like you that that listen to the podcast and and honestly that's like something I I have no concept of is like who was listening and from where. Yeah. And so it's, it's cool to hear, uh, you know, and, and like talk with people that are like, Oh yeah, I remember listening to that show. And you know, I liked what you had to say. That's encouraging to me. The, the long and short of it is that when I stopped doing the show, um, there was kind of a compound of issues. I had done a couple of interviews with people that went really poorly. Um, and so I was like scrambling for guests week after week because I would do, interviews with people and you know this doing a, a show like this you know you have a co-host and so like if you if a guest falls through and you don't have something at least you have somebody that you can be yeah. like okay well i guess we're gonna make an episode where it's just the two of us i was doing this show by myself and so like even even though i had a cache of episodes um i just had a couple of bad ones bad interviews that i couldn't really publish and um so my my backlog like drew, dried up, and then uh, on top of that, I was dealing with a lot of like self doubt with the show, and uh, eventually all of that mixed with uh, like personal life problems. I had this kind of breakdown, um, and it's I don't think the podcast was like a major contributor to that. I think it was just it was, compounded with everything else, though. Like yeah, I was in a, a really part. yeah I was in a really rough place. Um, in my personal life and uh i had this kind of mental breakdown and um it's that sounds more dramatic than it was but i was dealing with a lot of anxiety and depression and i took a break from the show um to kind of work on myself um and my mental health and um i part of that was sort of uh putting priorities in order and like um figuring out things in my life that I wanted to focus on and what I needed to kind of put on the back burner. The show got put on the back burner and um, it continues to stay there. I still, I, but it's, you know, it's still I, available to listen to through the site, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Yep. It's still up on online. Um, it's on iTunes. I think still uh, that, that hasn't gone anywhere. Um, there just aren't, there isn't new, new episodes being made and, it's kind of a bummer, you know. I wish I had, I wish I had another day in the week to do something like that. But right now, um, I'm just focusing on a lot of other things that are equally as great um, in my in my mind. And um, maybe I'll pick it up again one day. I think that there 
there are conversations that I would like to have, you know, about that, that topic about DIY and, and independent art um, that I, I haven't been able to have. But at the same time, like, in whatever way um, I was able to influence people, there are multiple people that I've talked to that run podcasts now and they talk about how this is, this sounds arrogant and I don't mean it to be, but they talk about how listening to my show was a, a catalyst for them to like start their own show. Um, and that's like greater to me than me continuing to do my own dumb little podcast is like that other people kind of were like, Oh yeah, I want to try and do this too. And I have, I have an idea for a show or like, I have conversations that I want to have with people and this is a good medium for that. That's like, that's way better than me making episodes every week or whatever and having my own conversations. I, in my opinion, uh, other people might disagree, but I wanted, I wanted to talk about life things sure. to some extent. It's cool. Yeah. Cause like, I don't know. I don't really know like a lot of your story, um, mm-hmm. but I respect you as a, as a podcaster and as a <laughs> dude and, uh, yeah, I, 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 was, I was excited when you messaged me about like possibly being on our podcast because um, yeah. I, I enjoyed listening to yours a ton. Um, so, like, wh- what, is your, what does your faith walk with Jesus look like? Um, I guess even if you want to talk about maybe in, in recent years with, uh, with the anxiety and the depression that you dealt with um, yeah. leading to now. Yeah, I consider myself a Christian, but... Uh, Sometimes it depends on who you ask, I guess. Um, I grew up in the church. Uh, my my dad was a youth pastor when I was in high school and is a senior pastor of a church now. And so I, I've grown up in in that my whole life. Um, so you were actually part of his youth ministry when he was a youth pastor? Like, <laughs> yeah, I was in his youth group. How, how, uh, how in the world was that? You know, it's something I don't think... Um, many people can really articulate unless you were also a youth pastor's kid. It's kind of hard to explain. Um, yeah, like, it's an interesting dynamic, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, I just don't have an, I, I don't have a normal youth group experience. I have this like thing where I would just go to church with my dad all the time, <laughs> which is like it was fine. I, I love my my parents are amazing and they're super supportive of me now, and that's that's great. Um, and I know that not everybody has a great relationship with their parents. Um, and so I was really blessed with that, um, that uh, I have I have good parents that, that love me and that I love them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's sort of weird that like I have this experience where like I don't know what a, I don't know what a normal youth group experience is because my dad was always there with me. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's different. Yeah, my dad <laughs> was uh, actually a youth pastor, but it was like when I was a little kid. Um, and then, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and then let's see, he was involved with like some, uh, ministries when I was like 10, 11, 12 that I was part of. But then mm-hmm. it, after that point, he was still involved as far as like Sunday school stuff and small groups, but, but with adults, not yeah. so much <laughs> kids my own age, you know? Sure. But. Um, for a long time, I thought that I was supposed to be, uh, a, full-time minister for some some part of my adolescence I thought it was youth ministry in fact I went to college uh, originally to get a youth ministry degree uh, and uh, that changed pretty quickly um, but uh, eventually um, I ended up working as an associate pastor at a church for two years and um, that was uh, 
that was an experience for me because um, it just happened to be uh, at a point in my life where um, my faith started to um, it started to fall apart. Um, I started asking a lot of questions of myself, and um, I didn't know how to answer myself about those things. And it was, uh, you know, in, in relation to like spirituality and my my faith, simultaneously having this sort of like breakdown of like I don't know what I believe anymore. And also, I was in charge of like all of these people. I was leading, you know, multiple Bible studies in a week, and like preaching occasionally and and I had all these leadership roles as this associate pastor position I, I I didn't feel that I was that I could be honest with people and so like I would be teaching a bible study and like go, I would be like preparing the lesson and doing the thing but inside I was like yeah but I don't know if I believe all of this but also I don't know if I can tell you all that I don't believe this because I'm supposed to be the leader and I don't know you know like I I just got a new yeah. boss we got new pastors at our church and so I didn't feel comfortable talking with them because you know for whatever reason you know it's just like I don't know you and like um, I don't know if I can air these problems as in my position you know so um, I didn't really have a a good base to deal with all of these things and uh, now during that time um, were you still teaching those things or like I, I know I've been in that spot, like with youth ministry back in the day, where there are certain things that I was just like, I, I think looking back, my thought was like, I, I don't really align with what quote unquote Christianity says about these things. Um, when uh, yeah. re- re- in all reality, it was more so like an Americanized version of, you know, Christianity. Um, yeah. Than, uh, than true following Jesus. But yeah, to me, like personally, there are some, some things that I just avoided or ignored talking about because I was just like, eh, I can't say this with any sense of conviction. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, it was, I definitely experienced a lot of that where I was like, how much, how much can I get away with like skirting? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if I'm teaching a thing, like how much can I avoid? And, um, but I think eventually uh, I, even doing that just made me uncomfortable with myself. I felt like I was like I was living this double life. Yeah. Um, and uh, so eventually, I, I quit that job, um, and uh, I I moved. I was working in Wisconsin, and I moved to North Carolina with some friends, and like just kind of, <laughs> I was like, well, I need to. I'm gonna quit this job. I'm having this like existential crisis. I just need to get as far away from things as possible, and. Um, find myself or whatever. I don't really know what, what my plan was. I was just like, I know I need to get out of the Midwest, uh, which is where I, I, I grew up and, uh, need to get away from everything that's familiar and, and, um, just kind of figure some stuff out, you know, like give myself space and time to do that. And so I moved across the country and, uh, moved in with some friends of mine and, um, yeah, I started working at Target <laughs> in retail, which I had never done before. Uh, and uh, then I kind of focused on music too at that time and, and recorded a couple records. And a lot of what I was going through really didn't have anything to do with my belief in, in God per se, but um, I was running up against a lot of problems with uh, the church. And like you were saying, uh, the Americanized evangelical church, um, which is what I had grown up in. Um, I come from a Wesleyan background, if that's relatable to anybody. But um, 
I think I always knew that like I believed in God. I wasn't ever like flirting with atheism, but uh, I didn't know um, what I believed about the nature of that God that I believed in um, because I knew that I had been told a lot of things growing up about who that God was and uh, I didn't necessarily believe in those things anymore. Um, but uh, the problem was that like, I knew that I had had experiences that I couldn't shake. And so I was like, I know that there's something out there, but I don't know what it is. And, but I also know that it's like whatever, like the problems I was having, I was like, it, it doesn't sound like this God, you know, like whatever it is, it's probably not this God. Mm -hmm. So maybe I can go and find him. And, um, I, uh, so I moved to North Carolina and I went to a church, uh, with some people and, um, really the only reason that I started going to that church was because they asked me if I wanted to play some music with them. And it was some really cool guys that play in bands that I, that I liked. And, um, I was like, yeah, cool. Like I'll come and play music with you once a week or whatever. And that was, a, uh, I think that was good for me, um, to like do that, um, but after a while, I kind of just gave up on, on the church thing. Even the music wasn't enough to keep me around. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, I uh, yeah, I just got super disillusioned and, and just kind of decided that, like, there was nothing for me in organized church. And um, maybe, maybe one day I would find it, but I wasn't going to actively look for it there. And uh, I was just going to kind of... Um, figure it out myself in my own time. There's a lot of things that kind of led me to that. Um, I kind of jumped ahead in the story, but one of those things ha has to do with, maybe this is relatable to people too. Um, death is a really interesting thing to encounter in your life um, when, uh, when you've never experienced people dying close to you. When I was working at that church, um, as a as a full-time pastor uh both of my my dad's parents passed away i was really close with them my my grandparents and they both passed away my my grandma got cancer and uh when she was in the hospital my grandpa died uh, essentially of a broken oh, wow. heart and um my grandma died of, of cancer shortly after that and so i watched i watched that happen and uh it was really rough um to watch, I, I never experienced death that close to me before, um, you know, uh, but I think part of me, even though I was sad, I was like, this is like, I, I realized that this is the, the natural course of life, you know, like old people die and cancer yeah. is a thing and it sucks, but um, it is what it is, you know, and I was sad about it, but um, ultimately I understood that that's how life is. Um, then uh, about that same time, my best friends who I had lived with previously and who I eventually moved to North Carolina with, they had uh, they were they were uh, pregnant with their their second kid um, and their first kid. I moved in with with them. We were total strangers, and I moved in with them. Uh, and their their daughter was three months old when I uh, moved in with them, and. I had never been around uh, a baby like that as an adult and uh, was initially pretty scared. But then um, this uh, this little like ball of uh, nothing grew into a person right before my eyes. And it was like amazing. 
and she became one of my favorite my favorite people in the world is this little girl. Then uh, my friends got got pregnant with their second kid, and I was so excited. And even though we weren't living together anymore, um, I was excited for this this kid to be born. And um, after my grandparents died, I. I got a call um, from my friend and uh, he told me that their their daughter um, that they were pregnant with had some heart complications and that her heart um, had this this uh, rare disease that there wasn't really um, a known uh, procedure to fix um, and so it's, it's long and complicated but um, the long and short of it is that uh, I prayed Man, I prayed every night. I, I, it sounds dumb, but even one night I was into like, I was into to 24 hour prayer houses at the time. Um, yeah. And like, that was a new thing for me. And I just like live streamed for six hours, like playing some music and praying. And people, you know, were online and like people, like friends of mine from college, like hopped on and they're like, you know, praying with me or whatever. And uh, I was like, this is it, you know, like, this is what I need to do. Um, and their daughter, her name w was Haley. Uh, she was born, um, and she lived about two hours and then she died. Um, and that was, uh, that was something that really shook me to my core because, mm -hmm. uh, where my grandparents died and, um, I understood that that was a natural part of life. Here's this child who is born and doesn't even really have a chance to exist, um, and I saw that and I thought, what, what kind of God um, does this? And um, why should I follow this God? And uh, why, you know, I have so many people in my life saying, like, this is part of God's plan and it's all fine, you know? And, like, I, uh, I didn't know what to do with all of that. And so I just kind of shut down and... Um, yeah, I moved in with my friends, and we kind of like dealt with that together in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, just just being together in close proximity was really important, I think, for us. Um, but that led me to yeah uh, to leave the church and kind of do my own thing. So so th during that time, like I mean, I I've been in similar situations. I guess not necessarily like you know death affecting me that way, but like yeah, being at a point of you know recognizing that I've experienced things that can't just be explained away. Um, yep. I mean, it might sound kind of weird. I don't know. Maybe you can relate, but, uh, there are points in time that I could see that there was definitely like, I don't know, definitely like dark demonic forces. I don't, I don't get into like focusing on that crap, but mm -hmm. like I've definitely experienced things that are like messed up beyond belief that, it, that it cannot just be explained away. Um, and there have been times that that has like been such a blatant proof of, you know, the supernatural, like, you know, stuff just beyond what we can see existing, that there are times that that was what actually, I guess, contributed to my faith in God being real is just recognizing that there are dark things that happen beyond yeah. explanation. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I can relate w with, you know, kind of feeling like, yeah, there is something, there is a God, but I'm not really fond of <laughs> who he seems to be and what he's, you know, what he allows. Right. Would yeah, you say no. that that was kind of where you were at? Like, I, I do believe that there is a God, but I'm not really sure what I, what I think about him. Sure. I mean, I think 
or it was hard for me to think about like throwing out my entire worldview um, yeah. because I was like, I think I was 20 or 21 at the time, uh, which should also put be put in perspective that like I was a, I was a, an assistant pastor at a church at 20 years old yeah. um, and dealing with all of this stuff. Uh, I wasn't even really a, a person. <laughs> if I were to look back on that, I'm like, oh, geez, like what were they thinking? Yeah, so I'm, I'm dealing with all this stuff, and, and I think that for 20 years, you know, I had existed in this um, this culture, that this Christian Christian culture, and, and I had grown up to believe certain things about the way that the world operates, and, and part of those um, beliefs involved uh, a God that created the universe and that um, kind of directed how things go. And so when I came face-to-face with uh, this kind of, incident it wasn't so much like i my my first instinct wasn't to deny that god exists because um all of this bad stuff was happening but my thought process instead was like how could god do this this god that i believe in it's just a it's just an interesting thing dave bazan talks about this all the time of like you know his his he, who knows what he really believes about things? You know, I don't even think he does. I think he goes back and forth on a given day, which uh, I relate with um, very strongly. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, he kind of talks about like why he's so concerned with the church, even though he's not really a part of it anymore or doesn't consider himself a part of it. And then he, he says, you know, that's that's my culture and what I grew up in and my worldview uh, is shaped by that. And so I, it's not something that I can just lay down and be like, I'm done with this now. I want something else. Uh, it's something that like is a part of your being. And I felt the same way, I think. Uh, I don't know if I understood it at the time um, or even really cared about it. But yeah, in hindsight, um, that was what was going on. I was not necessarily... Um, upset at uh, a God I didn't believe in, but uh, I was accept- upset with a God that I, I knew was real uh, intrinsically. So, And that's, a, I mean, that's a thing when like, I don't know, certain like lines in the sand are drawn as far as like, this is who God is. And then you experience things that contradict that. You know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, th- I mean, I think we all find ourselves in those spots in so- to some extent. That's, I mean, really where one of the many places that like let God die came from was, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, having a point where I was just like, either I'm wrong about a lot of what I believe about God or this is not a good God, you know, like in, in in many ways, you know? Um, and that's, it was kind of like a horrifying at the time process to be like, all right, I want to tear down this whole entire house that that I've built, you know, of understanding and allow it to come crashing down so that he can actually, you know, show me the truth. And, you know, in, at the end of the day, finding that he is far better and greater than, than I imagined. <laughs> when, uh, when I was going to start, like I die, it was probably like 10 or 12 years ago. Um, but I knew that at that time there were going to be a lot of things that would have been very convoluted. Um, cause it was just kind of like, I was kind of on the, on the fringe of, all right, the God that like I've believed in my whole life is not truly who God is. And really like the God of the Bible is not who the church has made him out to be in large part. Yeah. Um, Unintentionally, you know, I I don't, 
I, I'd say or like intentionally sometimes. Yeah, yeah, at times. But I mean, I would say that for the most <laughs> part, my experience has been well-intentioned pastors and teachers and people that sure. have, uh, you know, may, maybe made blanket statements about the character of God based on their personal circumstances. Um, which I mean, I know I've been guilty of that too. Um, but uh, but yeah. So at the at the time though. Uh, there were just like a lot of ways that I was just like, man, if I, if I pursue this now, I know that I'm just going to like communicate things very poorly. Um, not that I communicate things great now, but, um, (laughs) but it it was just a very long waiting process of praying and just like, all right, God, like, what do you want me to do with this? Like, I know there's going to be something, but I don't know what it is. But yeah, so one of the very first things though, I remember writing down like that, you know, God is not good, but not just letting it stay there. Um, like the problem is my definition of good is not good. I don't know when people say things like God is good. The problem is like, we don't have the correct, you know, perfect definition of what a good God would do. So, um, obviously a lot of the things that fit into, you know, the category of what a good God would allow, what what a good God would do, um, conflicts with what God actually does. Our, our value system is completely off, you know? So, um, I would say like most things that we attribute to the character of God, it's not that he is not those things. It's that he it's just like our words, our definitions of those things fall short, uh, yeah. in describing him. But, there's this, um, yeah, there's this concept, uh, in theology or maybe it's philosophy. Uh, it crosses over theology. Um, uh, and it's uh, it's something that's used in um, in like meditation and, and thought exercises uh, called uh, apophatic reasoning um, or apophatic meditation. And it's um, so like when you meditate uh, apophatically, um, you focus in on an idea. Like for example, uh, your uh, God is good, right? So you mm-hmm. you focus on this idea and meditate on on that god is good god is good but then you move on to uh that god is not good god is not good and it's not because uh god is not good in in the sense that like we believe but also god is not good meaning that our language and our understanding of good comes short and so the idea that we think of when we think of good is not god you know it's a it's a it's a shadow of what his true nature is. And it's a, just a thing that we can um, substitute for his actual nature. And then you come back to uh, God is good. But this time thinking of the thing that you had just um, focusing on that God is not good and that he is greater than, than our understanding of good, come back to God is good. But the truest sense of that, what that is and that yeah. he is a good beyond our good. Um, and you can apply that to, to any, any characteristic that we um, equate to God. You know, God as Father, um, God as Savior, God as just. Any of these attributes um, coming to an understanding that, like, these are all just things that we attribute to this thing that we call God, but none of them are actually, like, none of them actually do any justice to what this thing is because this God that we worship is so much greater than those ideas even even at their loftiest um yeah human uh you know ideal 
God doesn't really compare to those things. And, and if he did, he would look just like us, or he would yeah. look like an idealized version of us and uh, isn't really fit to be worshipped at that point. He's just like a, just like a Superman, you know? Yeah. And like, I listen, or not listen, uh, there's, a, there's a, a graphic novel that I really like in a movie too uh, called Watchmen. It's like a famous graphic novel, and one of the characters in this graphic novel is called Mr. or uh, Doctor Manhattan, and um, he's a uh, he's a he's a scientist that gets caught up in. So it's like an alternate um, universe kind of thing, but he's a scientist that worked on the Manhattan Project, uh, creating the atomic bomb, and he gets caught in this um, sort of uh, ex- like test uh, of of uh, the atomic bomb and and um, through a series of unfortunate circumstances, get transformed into this uh, being that is outside of reality and time, and they call him Dr. Manhattan, and he's the most powerful being in the universe. Um, And part of the comic is through his point of view. Um, And there's a part in it where he talks about, um, he's talking to uh, another character who's like a superhero in this this thing, and he's like a pretty powerful, uh, pretty powerful character, and um, Dr. Manhattan is like to, to uh, a god, an ant, even the strongest ant is still an ant. And so then he's like comparing himself to this other person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the, the, the conversation goes to like, do you believe that you're a god like Dr. Manhattan? And he says, if I'm a god, and godhood is very sad. And... Uh, I think about that sometimes when I think about like even even the greatest the greatest and strongest character that we can think up in like in fiction uh this per- this character in particular is like there has to be something more than that even the greatest thing that we can make up you know somebody that's outside of time and outside of you know doesn't have any limits to his power or whatever that pales in comparison to the reality of what god should be you know yeah um, and uh so I appreciate that about the things that you guys are trying to do with this podcast and the conversations, even conversations that we have in, in person and um, being able to sort of put a finger on ideas like that, that like, hey, um, maybe maybe the, the language that we use and the ideas that we use uh, about this, this thing that we worship, uh, are they fall short. Maybe we need to be conscientious of that because... Uh, if we focus too much on those things, it, it causes problems. And that is kind of what happened for me is uh, those ideas and concepts, um, all of a sudden when they fell short, caused a lot of friction and problems in my life. Because then I was like, well, well, now what? You know, like I thought yeah. that things were this way, but it turns out they're not really. And so what do I do? I'm lost. And uh, I didn't really have anybody to talk to about that or kind of go through that. And... Um, and that now, really, was that ahead. something? Was that something that you had been honest with anyone in your life about, or was it something that you're just kind of like internally, like I don't even know what this looks like to go on this journey? Um, it's hard for me to remember exactly, uh, yeah. but if there were people that I talked to, it was in very hypothetical um, conversations, and mm. they were peers of mine, so uh, I didn't. I, I never really have had like a um, someone that I would consider like a mentor in the traditional sense of like the uh, the old sage that uh, you know lives in the mountains that you go to and ask <laughs> advice for. Um, 
the people that I have in my life, uh, and I found this out sort of later, and maybe even through this experience, the people that I have in my life that um, I trust with helping me through things like this uh, are are peers of mine, and or you know maybe a little bit older. Um, but yeah, at at the beginning, at least, I think um, I think I, I just thought the concepts that I was dealing with were were too big or too scary. Um, and man, if I could go back, this is the thing I realized later is like, if I could go back and tell myself when I was twenty one or twenty two, like, hey man, the things that you're dealing with and the 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 thought process that you're having and like the questions that you have. None of that is like abnormal. Yeah. Uh, everybody kind of has to deal with that at some point. Whether or not they really go for it and like really do consider this or they kind of just sweep it under the rug, it's not a, it's not bad. You know, questions aren't bad and doubts and, and uh, you know, unbelief, those things aren't uh, as, as detrimental uh, as, you know, maybe I thought they were. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I didn't have anybody in my life that really, like, spoke that into me um, in a way that, that made sense. Um, and I think now those same people that, I, that I'm thinking of, like, same friends of mine, um, I think they would. Uh, but we, we all kind of had to go on a journey together, you know, to figure this stuff out. Yeah, I, I wish that I could go back and, and uh, let myself know that it's okay to kind of go through this stuff, but um, I can't. So uh, I, I like to have conversations like this now with people where I'm, you know, just like, hey, whatever, you know, whatever it is that you have questions about or whatever, like, that's fine. And wherever you land at the end of that, that's fine too. You know, like your questions aren't going to change the nature of God. And, yeah. uh, you know, he's not going to, he's not going to, if God exists, and he is, uh, you know, who we kind of believe he is. Um, there's nothing that we can do to, like, belittle that or or whatever, you know, no matter what, how hard the questions or how angry you get or whatever, like, that's not going to change who he is. Um, and so I, I don't know. It's, it's, that's, a weird, uh, that's a weird thing to kind of wish that somebody had told me, I think. But um, maybe... Uh, Maybe some people out there still need to hear that, I think. Mm -hmm. One thing that me and my wife have talked about with our youth kids quite a bit, like we've, uh, we try to a lot of weeks just kind of like ask questions uh, to kind of gauge where they're at, you know, not just get like the quote unquote correct response, but just (laughs) like, what what do you actually believe on this? You know? Um, And the really cool thing is uh, none of them come from like church backgrounds so like there, there's no filter. Like they're <laughs> they're just honest with stuff, you know, which yeah. I love. Um, but there have been a couple times that we we've just talked about like, all right, is there anything that's like that's wrong to pray? Is there anything that's like wrong to say to God? Um, and then we let you know ask like specific questions about like, you know, do you think that it's it's wrong to even just like get mad at God or to tell him that you don't believe certain things or that you have doubts, you know? Um, and it's just kind of, you know, like even, I think even with them, like the perception is that like, all right, there are certain things that I should just not really process, you know, or not really deal Mm. with, um, that I should kind of keep to myself. Um, but we've just been 
trying to walk through that stuff like i don't know yeah like there is it like if we believe that god is who who he is then uh there definitely is that level of seeing him as holy and uh having the utmost respect but at the same time like if if you are honestly in a place where you just don't know where you're at or what you believe like it's it's no surprise to him to to vo- vocalize that and uh you know the disciples like help our unbelief you know <laughs> just yeah. very clearly yeah I, I don't know don't know where I'm at right now don't know what I'm believing like help me through this you know yep. um but <clears throat> a lot of time we don't I don't know don't really leave room for that or don't know how to leave room or don't know that it's that it's okay or whatever yeah so um so after I after I I left the church and um sort of like try to do things on my on my own um for a while I didn't really I, I didn't really think that I was going to come back uh to be to be frank like um I didn't care uh about the institution of the church and mm-hmm. um I didn't really think that it could offer me uh, anything that I um couldn't get on my own and uh you know to be perfectly honest and that's what this podcast is about hopefully is just being honest. I, I still sort of feel that way. I'm not, I'm not super sold on, on the institution of the church. Um, I think community is really important. And I think that, um, being in a community of people who are, who are better than you that bring you to a place, uh, that you want to be, um, is really important. Uh, I just think that the church fails at that so often that like, I, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to really open myself up and be, be vulnerable and uh, get into a place uh, like that. And that's just, that's just me. Uh, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not advocating that that be like something that everybody like uh, agrees with or whatever or is like, yeah, you know, institutional church is for losers. I'm just going to go to small group and that's it. Or I'm going to have uh, coffee once a week with my friends and that's it. Uh, I'm not saying that. Um, I'm saying for me, uh, it's been, a, it's been hard to, um, get back into things, but, um, so the rest of the story really is that, uh, I left North Carolina and I moved back to Chicago, um, basically to start Broken Light. Uh, I didn't know that that's what it was going to be called, but, uh, I moved back, uh, because some friends of mine were like, Hey, we want to start. Um, I, so when I was in North Carolina, I, I made a couple of records and uh, I felt pretty good about it. It was just it was just my own stuff, and I felt like I had found something that I really liked to do, which was uh, audio production. And I had some friends back in Chicago, uh, where basically everybody that I know uh, was at the time, and they were like, "Hey, uh, if you move back here, uh, we would like to work with you." And uh, so at that point, I was just like, "Well, let's see let's see where this goes." And so I moved back to the city uh, July first, uh, two thousand thirteen. I'm sorry, not July, January 1st, 2013. Uh, it, I left uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and it was 75 degrees, and I moved back to Chicago, and it was negative 30 degrees. And <laughs> this is the worst decision of my life. Um, it was a 100-degree difference. But um, I knew that I was there to uh, to kind of try out and pursue something that I really uh, enjoyed doing, which was music. And uh, right around the time that I moved back, a friend of mine uh, who was um, a youth director for uh, the denomination I grew up in uh, and runs um, the youth uh, development for the whole Midwest region. Uh, he was uh, 
organizing a youth conference, an annual youth conference that they do, and he asked me if I would come and DJ at this youth conference because I was going through a DJ phase. And uh, I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that's a trip, though. <laughs> yeah, we could talk about that sometime, I guess. But, <laughs> um, yeah, so I was I was really into DJing at, the, at that point, and I was doing like house parties and stuff, not not super frequently, but enough that. This friend of mine was like, "Hey, do you want to come and like DJ at our our youth conference and stuff?" And I was like, "Not really." Then the more I thought about it, I was like, "Well, you know, he's gonna pay me. It's gonna be. I'm gonna be able to see. Like, I'm fresh back in the city, and so I'd be able to see some of my friends that are going to this conference and stuff. And so, and like, what what's the harm? I get, I work, you know, 20 minutes a day or something, and do like a 20 <laughs> yeah. minutes set or something. So why not? I'll I'll go. And um, so I went under the pretense of uh playing some music uh seeing some friends and that was pretty much it i don't remember i don't remember the context of what was happening in the meeting or whatever you know that 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 was not important to me because i wasn't listening anyway um but something happened where uh i can't really i can't really describe it uh, articulately but um something happened inside of me and the the best way that I can describe it is that whatever God is got a hold of me and said to me, um, "We have a problem, and uh, I would like to make that right right now." That was startling because uh, I hadn't really given it any thought, you know, and I wasn't that wasn't anything that I was planning. Um, luckily, uh, some of my my best friends were there. Um, and I grabbed him, and uh, I said, "I don't know what the heck is happening right now, but I, I'm having a moment, and uh, I need to confess some things to you, which is a thing that we do in the church. We confess things to each other, I guess." Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I got super religious all of a sudden, and I was like, "Hey, uh, I hate the church, and I hate the things that have happened, and I feel like God has been unfair to me, and I don't know if I, you know, I don't know what I believe about anything. And in fact, you know, I haven't been going to church." For the past couple of years and and um the reason that i'm here right now is just to hang out with you guys i don't care about any of the stuff that's going on but something is happening to me right now and i want you to pray for me um, because i can't pray for myself and so can you pray for me um and that's all you know and and that was all i could really articulate and so um these friends of mine were so gracious and um they prayed for me and uh i i sort of felt like I sort of felt at peace about that. At that point, I kind of like did what I needed to do, I think, and um, that was sort of my that was sort of the first step back into um, taking care of myself spiritually. Uh, I didn't start going to church right away. Um, like I said, that's still something that I have a problem with uh, and that I'm working out. Um, but I did start. I did start praying again, and I did start reading my Bible again, and uh, I, I I had all these questions, and I had all these these um, these these doubts that I was going through, and so I just kind of took them one by one, and like did a lot of study, and um, I found some people that I could talk with that are a lot smarter than me, and um, that I trusted and I came to them and I was like, here's what I'm dealing with. I don't know what I believe about any of this stuff. And, um, so I'm going to be asking a lot of questions and, uh, it would be really cool if you could be a part of that with me and then, you know, maybe just like be there for, 
and make sure that like the things that I'm thinking are not too crazy. And they were like, yeah, sure, you know, whatever, not a big deal, which is amazing and totally different than what I thought would happen. You know, like I thought yeah. if I was still a part of a church, I was like, oh, geez, I'm going to get like excommunicated if I ask these questions. But I found these people in my life that were like, yeah, this is normal. It's fine. Um, so ask away. That's sick and, that uh, you had that, you know, because I'm sure there are a lot of people <laughs> that, you know, have had that reaction of, you know, just completely being shut down and like, yeah, don't, yeah. why are you thinking that way, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, to be to be real, I see it happen all the time with friends of ours who, yeah. uh, I w well, so I was out on tour with some friends of ours this, this past week and um, we went to this, this festival and I got to see a lot of people that I really love and uh, it, it brought up some conversation with things and, and we were talking in the car while we were driving about some of the, the things that, that the three of us had sort of perceived in our own scene, like and uh, yeah, it's really hard because we've all witnessed that happen to people that we care about being sort of shut down by other people in, in, in this scene. And uh, yeah, and it really sucks because um, in my mind, the picture of, of the kingdom of God is one of inclusivity and of grace and um, to have um, to have people use the name of Jesus to um, oppress other people is something that really hurts me. And to see it happen in a place that I look to for safety and security and in inclusiveness, uh, like my music scene, and seeing that happen there is uh, it's a real bummer. Um, because I think that, that more people... So some people friends of ours step out and are very open and honest about their journey. And that's really cool. Um, and, uh, they're affirmed, I think. Um, but those people also can kind of take rejection from other people. I think they're like strong personalities in that way where like, you know, if, if someone were to chastise them or whatever, they would just kind of be like, yeah, whatever. Like I'm doing my own thing. There are other people that I think are going through similar things that are not as strong willed or st like secure in, in their questioning. And, uh, when they are, are confronted with somebody who, uh, you know, will tell them that they're doing something wrong or, or that they are, you know, that, that, that those questions are not appropriate, that they will shut down and they'll, they'll never talk about it again, even though they're going through all of this stuff. And so the rest of us won't even know and we won't be able to, to help, you know, yeah. or, or not even help, but just like um, be a respectful and uh, open and safe community for those kinds of things to happen. Um, and uh, yeah, that sucks. Um, and so it was, I was really lucky to find people who were part of the former group where it's like, yeah, this is, this is fine. And, and, uh, we'll support you in whatever, you know, conclusions you come to, which is, um, I think that's probably a scary prospect for some people, you know, where they're like, whatever, like I could have become an atheist and I think they would have been like, you know, that's, I think you're making the wrong decision, but, um, that's ultimately your decision, you know? And like, to me, that made me feel the most safe, that there wasn't, 
they weren't supportive to a point. It was yeah. they're supportive unconditionally, you know, and like um, that was that was super important to me. And so as I worked things out over the next, you know, I'm still I'm still working things out. I still don't have a lot of answers. In fact, I think the more that I studied and the more that I, I read scripture and the more that I prayed, the less answers that I had, you know, mm-hmm. and, and but the less answers I had and the more I was OK with um the mystery of the whole thing and yeah. like being able to hold things loosely uh you know uh, in ecclesiastes solomon talks about um uh, like holding our life uh, like a fistful of sand uh where like if you hold on to the sand too tightly it's all going to slip away from you but if you hold it loosely um you you can hold on to more of it and so i think about that all the time like where uh as long as i kind of like keep my beliefs and and things sort of open palm uh and not not hold too tightly to any of that stuff um i think i'm okay yeah. uh, and i think that's scary to a lot of people you know it's scary to a lot of people who've grown up in the church and and maybe maybe i'm projecting I, I don't know you know but but in my experience people are afraid of questions they're afraid of doubt and as soon as those things kind of come up they they shut them down because they don't want to find out where those those questions and doubts lead them to, but for me personally, it led me to um, what I believe is a, a better understanding of who God is and and the nature of the kingdom of God, and has ultimately made me a better person. I, I hope it's made me a better person. You know, one of the the key words that I kept thinking about when you're talking just then, and I mean, and it was a word that you said was uh, just like understanding, um, like. Mm. Gosh, uh, I, I I used to put like a lot of stock into answers, you know, but like, yeah, I, going through a similar thing myself, just as far as like doubts and like feeling like uh, I don't know anything. Um, yeah, like I have not, ha- I have not gotten many answers for those like, you know, deep doubts and questions, but definitely understanding, you know, um, mm-hmm. or just like, just peace about things, you know, where it's just like, Oh, there is no answer, you know, to a lot of things. Um, so like rather than clinging to an answer that, you know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, maybe pastors or Christians, uh, present, um, rather than clinging to that or casting it aside, just saying like, all right, I'm going to be restless until I get an answer. Just kind of, you know, resting in the fact that like, all right, maybe there are some things that can't be known and that's okay. Um, you know, but just like, just trusting that, all right, God's sovereign. Um, he's not, he's not pulling all the strings and making everything happen, but like, you know, just trusting that he knows what's best. Um, I don't understand a lot of the things that he allows. I I don't understand a lot of the things that happen. Um, but I believe that he is, that he remains, you know, and that he, he remains good. He walks through those things with me. Um, even when I have zero answers and zero clarity, you know, I can have peace. Yeah. Uh, There's so much, something I've come to understand is like in faith, um, there's so much cognitive dissonance where like, there's so much wrong with the world and it's, you know, I feel like every day, um, it's more and more heightened. Like last night on our way home uh, from tour, uh, 
as we pulled into the driveway, I saw, I, I haven't been on social media really. I pulled up Twitter and saw um, about the suicide bombing in Manchester. Yeah. And those, those kinds of things like really affect me because um, it, it, there's something about that where I'm like, this is so, uh, such an antithesis to the way I believe the world should be, you know, like, so every kind of things like that are, I'm really sensitive to. And, um, you know, there are, there are, there's a, a group of, of the church that says that God, um, he, makes everything happen and nothing happens outside of his will and that um when things like this happen like my friend's child dying or like this bombing in manchester or like the sandy hook shooting or like um you know uh, tamir rice being killed by police or uh, you know a uh, Hurricane Katrina, all of these things that God orchestrates these things so that he can be glorified somehow. And um, I just think that's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> I think uh, if you have that kind of view of God, you're worshiping a, a false God um, mm -hmm. because uh, the God of the Bible and the God that Jesus pointed us to, um, he doesn't do things like that. And, um, but for those people that believe that, um, the reason they believe it is because they can't make sense of the world without saying that, like, okay, well, God must be causing this because otherwise there's just sadness and brokenness in the world. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you're right. There is purposelessness and there is chaos in the world and it exists and there's nothing that we can do about it. And that really sucks. But ultimately, like, that's the good news of the gospel is that this stuff exists in the world, but the kingdom of God is coming and it's already here and it's moving creation to an eventual reconciliation with its creator God. Yeah. And, like, that's such good news and it's so much hope for instances like this, you know, with the with all the messed up stuff that's going on in the world, there is hope at the end of it. And to me, that hope is the only reason that I cling on to still believing in God because, I mean, and maybe this is like, maybe someone would listen to me explain this and be like, well, you're using that as a crutch. And maybe that's true. Uh, that's an ableist term. I apologize to anybody who would, uh, you know, listen to that and be offended. But what I mean is, like, I'm not using this, or maybe I am using this as a way to cope with the brokenness of the world. But what I believe is that things don't have to continue to be this way. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's me being afraid of of the chaos and the brokenness. I'll ne I won't know until I die and until I see if this is true or not. But for me, in order to live in this broken world, I have to believe that there's something greater and that we, we can be a part of it. This is, the, this is, I think, the most important thing is like that none of this has to, we don't have to wait until we die in order for things to be better. But like when we see the brokenness in the world, that as Christians, 
I am called uh, to be a part of the change and the reconciliation and the ultimate, like, um, making new of this world. Um, and that is something that I desperately need to be a part of because if I just kind of resign myself to, um, well, there are two different options. There's the one option where I just kind of uh, accept nihilism and I'm just like, you know, whatever, which on a given day, uh, maybe I am a nihilist. I don't know. But uh, where I look at the world, I'm just like, ultimately, everything is meaningless. And, um, you know, so like, whatever, who cares? Everything's broken and, and it's going to stay broken. And uh, that's the end of the story. Um, and then there's another group of people, religious people who are like, well, everything is broken and we can see it. But you know what? Uh, when we die, uh, everything will get made better. And um, hopefully, hopefully you believe in Jesus by then, because if you don't, you're going to hell and like whatever. But uh, at least we'll be OK, because uh, when we die, we're going to heaven and everything's going to be great. And I think both of those people uh, are messed up and, and don't have a good view of of like what life is about and what being a Christian is about. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, that only applies to one of those groups of people. But like for me, being a Christian is being a part of the eventual um, reclamation of, of creation where it's like we're a part of the plan to bring about a new heaven and a new earth in the um, some days that's the only thing that can get me through, you know, where I'm just like, okay, yeah. well, I'm looking at all this, this crazy stuff. There's this, um, this is the last thing I'll say on that, but this, there's a book um, that I read recently because uh, I saw, I saw or listened to a, a, an excerpt from it in a, a song by a guy that was on my podcast, Josh dies. And um, his, uh, his band showbread put out their last album and one of the tracks on there, he had a, an excerpt from this book called The Doors of the Sea by David Bentley Hart, who's a Catholic uh, author and, and journalist and theologian. And uh, I picked up the book after I read this excerpt, and, and I want to read it. It's a, The concept, what he's talking about is what, this is like in the last page of the book, which <laughs> I'm reading the book, and I'm like, when am I going to get to that part? It's in here somewhere, and it's on the last page. Um, but he's talking about what resurrection is. He's talking about a false view of God versus the real view of God. And he says, if indeed there was a God who's in true nature, uh, whose justice or sovereignty was revealed in the death of a child or the dereliction of a soul or a predestined hell, then it would be no great transgression to think of that God as some kind of malevolent or contemptible demiurge and to hate him and to deny him worship and to seek a better God than he. But, that's the beauty of resurrection is that we see the image of God in Jesus and that we see that that picture of God that like somehow gets this twisted um, glorification from the suffering of the world. That's not God because when we look at Jesus, what Jesus is doing is getting glory from making the world new and yeah. taking that brokenness and replacing it with um the opposite of brokenness, wholeness. Like all of that just reminded me, um, we had a um, a guest on uh, maybe close to a year ago now. Um, it's one of like my, my close mentors, his wife. Um, so he used to be the youth pastor of the church that I went to in Michigan. And um, it just stood out to me. She said this like to the, to the youth group at one point. And uh, I was like, thank you for saying that. Cause like, I haven't really heard 
people say this from a stage, but she just said like, you know, something like God's will doesn't always happen. You know, like there are things mm-hmm. that break the heart of God, you know? Yes. Um, and uh, I was just thinking of that, just like that. I don't know. Like the Bible says, like it's God's desire that no man perish, you know, like it's, it's not that God has this twisted view, you know, like, like you said, like, it's not that he's just like, all right, well, you know, that, that bad thing happened and I'm happy because like, this is my reason for it. (laughs) Um, you know, like we, we talk all the time about like how we reject the, the view that everything happens for a reason, you know, but, uh, one of our friends, she put it, you know, like that she believes that God doesn't waste bad things, you know, just that like the, the crap that happens, like, it's not that God takes delight in those things. It's that God, you know, like is not beyond using what was meant for evil for good, you know, um, that he, he, he will use anything, you know, for good. Um, not that he's like, all right, this, this thing happened and it was horrible. Like I am very, I'm excited about that because I'm going to do good, you know, but more so no, like there, like you said, there is resurrection, you know, like, some, I don't know, in Christ's death. Yep. Yep. He died. I don't think God was like, all right, sweet. I'm going (laughs) to, you know, um, many, many, many think that this is completely ruined, but I'm not done, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like, I think it's so important for, well, and this is me talking, you know, like, I don't know anything about anything, but if I were to if I were to make the rules, uh, <laughs> I think that people should, like, especially people in, in spiritual leadership positions, should talk way more about <clears throat> and be honest about how much uh, we have no idea what the heck is going on. Yeah. And, like, and that's okay. <laughs> that's a Eric Carson. That's okay. <laughs> um, but uh, I think um, the idea that this is something that you have to like every person is going to have to come to terms with this on their own I think because um, the church is the evangelical western church is what I can speak to and that church specifically has done a poor job of sort of explaining to people the orthodoxy uh, of thought when it comes to some of these issues like um, the nature of God and uh when you're talking about like does God get what God wants like that's a really big question and it's kind of loaded and like very emotionally charged question but when you break that down into like practical individual things for example God does you know he says I desire that none should perish I think every person is going to have to figure out what that means for themselves yeah. Like, what do you believe about that? You know, what do you believe about um, when God says, this is what I want? Do you think he gets that or do you think he doesn't get that? You know, and like, if you believe that he does get that, what does that mean? Does that mean that like he gets that now or does he get it later? Uh, or if he doesn't get it, like, why not? He's God, you know, and there are a lot of th- these are this is like. To be honest, those are the questions that like started me down this journey. If you're going to start asking those questions, firstly, don't be afraid of them. Uh, don't be afraid of those questions. There's no question that you can ask that's like too big when you're dealing with with um, metaphysical and like the ultimate reality of uh, of existence, like or of the reality of God. 
these questions, big questions are in the nature of the thing um, mm -hmm. because you're dealing with big concepts. So don't let that scare you. Um, two, find people in your life that um, you feel comfortable uh, talking with about this and that will not, um, they won't judge you and they also won't try and steer you in a particular direction. So find someone that will just listen to you and like, be able to say, yeah, you know, I, I think that that's a good question or uh, maybe you're, maybe help you refine your questions a little bit and like get to the root of the issue instead of just kind of staying with like, what's the nature of reality? It's like, well, that's not really a helpful question. Yeah. Maybe you can like boil that down a little bit, you know, find people that are smarter than you that can help you with those kinds of questions. Um, and then three, like whatever you, whatever you kind of settle on, Make sure that if you're if you're looking to continue to live like following Jesus, there are two things that Jesus said that we need to do. We need to love God and we need to love our neighbor. And if what you land on um, doesn't line up with either of those two things, uh, I think you know maybe keep thinking about it. Um, if that's something that you want, if you if you want to continue to follow Jesus like those are the those are the measurements of that thing um, if not you know that's that's a totally different prerogative but yeah those are that's a good baseline to start when you're asking these kinds of questions and it's something I wish somebody would have told me uh, you know so that's why I'm saying it is like there's a we can boil it down to like the basics here and just say like let's look at what Jesus said is like love God love your neighbor out of these things the rest of the commandments uh, come you know and it's like oh uh, really? That's it? You know? And that was the that was the response of the religious people around Jesus at that time because of the Pharisees and the Sadducees made this huge, huge deal about all this stuff. And it's really, you know, really similar to how I think the evangelical church is today. But in the end, Jesus is like, no, it's really just these two things, the law and the prophets boil down to this. And so, uh, you know, if you're following these two things, you're doing good. Yeah. So um, that's kind of what I hold on to, you know, and, and as like firm everything else is like take it or leave it i guess mm -hmm. <laughs> you know like um at the end of the day i want to love god as as best i can and i want to love my neighbor as best i can and uh how i do that then is going to depend on the situation but really ultimately like how i love my neighbor doesn't really depend on what i think the nature of reality is if i see somebody that's hurting I want to help them. Um, it doesn't matter what I think about, uh, you know, hell or uh, predestination at that point in time. It's just like somebody's hurting it. I'm going to go help them. Yeah. One last thought. Um, yeah. And I don't know, sometimes when I think this, I'm like, I don't know, maybe this is ignorant or undeveloped or whatever. But um, I don't know. Just pe I believe that like people that have frustrations with the church, like I don't, you know, I don't, I don't agree with like ministries being started out of like frustration or, you know, cynicism. Um, but a lot of the time when, when people share stuff like you shared and just kind of being like, I don't know how I feel about the church, you know, um, a lot of time I'm like, man, what if, what if we made like people with that kind of perspective, our church leaders, you know, um, where it's just like, you know, you, you notice maybe we're like, the church could be, um, in certain ways and that it's not lining up with that, you know? Um, and, uh, I don't know. 
I just think that, that maybe if we looked at things a little bit differently, like in the church in general, instead of seeing people that are like, yeah, I don't like organized religion. Don't, you know, don't agree with where the church is headed. Um, instead of being like, oh, well that sucks that you're anti-church being like, well, what can we do? You know, like what can we do to actually, you know, be the church that, that Jesus established, you know, through Peter instead of, you know, I don't know. I, I just think that if we had that attitude of like enabling people who are frustrated with what the church has become to be part of the change instead of, you know, saying like, oh, you must be anti-church, uh, <laughs> we could really get somewhere, you know. That's, uh, yeah, that's challenging. I, I, that's something I have to think about. Yeah. All right. I got to, I got to get heading out, but thanks yeah, so much man. for your time, man. I really yeah. appreciate it. It was, it was right, cool talking so freaking much, but, uh, you got me going. So <laughs> no, nah, man, it was, it was great. And, uh, I appreciate your heart, man. Thanks so much, yeah. man. Appreciate Bye. it. All right. We hope you enjoyed that episode with Dave. You can check out Dave's music at nowmusic.com. That's N-A-A-L music.com. Next week, we have an episode that I'm really excited about. We have Mark Nix from the band Cool Hand Luke. I have a lot of respect for Mark. He's definitely uh, an honest and humble guy, and I'm really excited to bring you guys that conversation. If you'd like to keep up with what we're doing, you can sign up for our email mailing list through the contact page on our website at letgoddie.com. And if you'd like to really help us out, we have the support tab as well. You can subscribe through Patreon for as low as a dollar a month, and that would really help us offset some of the costs associated with the podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time.